Bible study time. Tuesday night Bible study. We're getting later. It's 7.20. And we haven't even started yet. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And how are you doing tonight? Amen. Good to have you, young lady. Praise the King. Amen. Praise the King. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Tuesday night Bible study. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We are just about ready to get started, I guess, here on a nice rainy night. I mean, it's uh, it's not very cold out there, but it's a nice wintry looking night, isn't it? You know, it's foggy and everything, and uh, really really is. so. But praise the Lord. Okay. Are we ready, Phil? Okay. Let's get started. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you and praise you and worship you, Lord, for the beautiful day, the beautiful rain, the little bit that we had. And Lord, we need a whole lot more. And Father, we ask you to bless this country. Lord, we know that we've got a lot of sinful people here. But Lord, we ask you to be merciful to us and forgive us and, and help us, Lord, all of us, every one of us to walk holy and obedient to your ways so that you will be able to heal our land, pour out the rains and the crops and everything so we can be blessed. And Father, we want to thank you for everything you have provided for us. You've provided so much for this nation, and we have respected you so little. But Lord, we thank you for it. We praise you and worship you. Now, we ask you to bless us as we study your word tonight. Show us what you require. Help us to walk in it. And Lord, we thank you for this precious season of the year that we're going through whenever we've got this season we call Christmas, the day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Now, Lord, I really don't know if this is your birthday or not, but Lord, it's the day we celebrate it. We do know you were born. So, Lord, we celebrate your birth every day. We praise you and thank you that you came. And then we praise you and thank you that you died and rose again to defeat the enemy for us so that we can have victory. So, Lord, thank you for the victory you provided for us. Help us to understand how to make the victory work for us every day as we walk with you. Now, bless what we do tonight as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Welcome, praise the Lord, to Tuesday Night Bible Study. I want to start out with one of the scriptures that I hear Ty talk about a whole lot. And it's Luke 6.40. I want to start there. This is one of his favorite verses. He uses it in the New King James all the time. I'm going to read it to you in several translations. But Luke 6.40. Now, when you get to Luke chapter 6, verse 40, the first uh, I'm going to read it out of the King James Version first. But I want you to hear what the Lord says here in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. The disciple, or a disciple, is not above his master. But everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. Now then, <clears throat> you can never be better than Jesus at anything. He was the master at everything. Now, on this earth, on this earth, that's not necessarily true there's a lot of people, I mean, I can take, a, for example, someone that taught uh, somebody to uh, paint. Maybe, you know, they might have been extremely good and they might have taught art classes, but the guy might have turned out to be better than their teacher. 
You, know, you see people like that, right? You go to college or you go to school or a trade school or anything. You might go to a school and somebody teach you how to do something and you might turn out to be better than they are because you may put more into it. But that can't happen with Jesus. He was the master of everything. Now then, in the New King James, it reads like this. A disciple is not above his teacher, but anyone who is perfectly trained. Anyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Now, how would you like to be just like Jesus? And I can't think of anywhere I'd rather be than to be perfectly trained just like Jesus. Now, now then... If we the, the closer we get to becoming perfectly trained, the greater become the answers to our prayers. Isn't that amazing? And you begin to see that yourself, huh? Yes. Uh, she has a testimony tonight. She didn't want to tell it on tape. And so, <clears throat> I don't know why. It was a great one. Can I tell it? I didn't want to tell it on the microphone. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, well... I don't. I mean, I want it to be on the mic so it can be on the tape. Now, do you want to tell it? Or do you want me to tell it? You can tell it. I can tell it. Okay, I don't mind telling it. She already told me, so she's telling me she went home the other evening and and and, and Sunday, and uh, she. I mean, you know, the the normal thing. You know, most of us have a physiological need. If y'all know what that means, you have a body that you put stuff in, and stuff has to go out. You know, so you have a physiological need. I mean, we're all like that. Is that right? I mean, I had never met anybody yet that didn't have to do all those things. Uh, some people don't think they have to, but they do. <clears throat> but anyway, she went home after church. She needed to go to the bathroom. She went into the bathroom, and I think the first time maybe she used the bathroom, and it worked okay, I think. Okay, okay, yeah, you tell the story. That way we'll get it right. Okay, okay, okay. Now I do. I'd figure out how to get this done. Uh, <laughs> okay. Now you see the method of my madness, right? Okay. Now I got her up here. <laughs> okay, I went home, and, you know, I had my grandson with me, and he went into the bathroom, and, you know, he was in there for a while, because I don't usually go in there with him. I just let him go, and I say, you know, if you have, if you go to the potty, Holler at me and I'll come clean you up. And so anyway, he just went in there to pee, I guess, and he came back a little later. And then his mom came and got him and he left, and I went and used the bathroom. And everything was fine at that point. And I left and went to the hospital to visit a friend that had planted seed in my life many years ago. Because God told me to go. I didn't want to go, but he's been telling me for a month ago. And I, so I said, okay, God, I'm going. He said, now. And so I went. So I was gone about an hour and a half, and I come back, and I went to use the bathroom, and the toilet stopped up, and there's some stuff in there, and so I got the plunger, and I, you know, messed around with it a little bit, and nothing happened, and I did it again, nothing happened, and I said, Aunt, I washed it off, put it down on the floor, got the, uh, we have a dry erase board because one of the ladies I live with doesn't hear, so I have to write everything, and I wrote a note, don't use the toilet, it stopped up. And so I went to bed. And so I got up the next morning, looked at the toilet, it's still got stuff in there, and I plunged it around a little bit. And I said, you know, i got to go to work. And so I just put the marker board back on there, and, and I went to work. So then I came home last night, and I went in there, and the toilet still messed up, because I had told the daughter 
that it was messed up to come over and do the Roto-Rooter because she has one of those things, but her back is out, and so she didn't come over. Even though I prayed for her, her back still. <laughs> I said, do you have any sin in your life? <laughs> she didn't answer that. But anyway, so the, the toilet is still messed up, so I go in I go in there, and, and, and I sludge around just a little bit, and it, nothing happened, and I put the lid back down, and I went into the living room. And I said, Lord, I don't want to go in the other bathroom because, you know, I have to go in the bedroom as a woman that's sleeping and I didn't want to bother. I want to go to the bathroom in, in the hallway. And then, I, and then I went into the kitchen. And then I said, Lord, it says in your word that I can ask anything and you'll do it. <laughs> so I went back to the bathroom and I put the plunger in there and I plunged it around. Nothing happened. And, I, 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 you know, I, and, I, and then I started doing it again. I said, Toilet be unstopped in the name of Jesus. And as soon as I said Jesus, it went. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good testimony, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. Oh, me. Amen. Praise the Lord. I mean, Jesus is there. I mean, now that she's told that, you know, I'll just tell you how Jesus is so concerned about everything we do. Everything, just like he wants the toilet unstopped, then you take his name and the name of Jesus and the toilet unstopped. You know, even the plug in the salt has to obey the name of Jesus when you speak it in faith. But on a, on a much simpler way, I mean, you all, all know how hard Cheryl has worked lately with the Christ Haven stuff, you know. Boy, she has spent midnight oil, I mean, way past midnight, many a night in the last three weeks with all this stuff. So, She's really worked herself down. So the last couple of nights, you know, when we go to bed, although it's still late, she's trying to catch up on some of the stuff that she kind of let go to slack in the ministry. She's trying to catch up on that. So she goes to bed in wee hours. So I pray over her when she comes to bed or when we go to bed. I pray over her. And the night before last, I said, Lord, I was in the bathroom. And I set my clock. I said, Lord, I'm going to set my alarm. And uh, I, I just went ahead and said it, and then I, as I went to bed, or we were already in bed, and I laid my hands on her and said, Lord, I'm asking you to give Cheryl a great night's sleep tonight, and then I'm asking you to wake me up, you know, a few minutes before my alarm goes off so I can turn it off so it won't wake her up because I want her to sleep and get caught up. Well, the next morning at 18 minutes before the alarm was supposed to go off, I woke up just wide awake looked over at my clock, and I thought, okay, so I turned it off and got up and left, and she got to sleep a few more hours. <coughs> and then last night again, it was extremely late. Uh, me and Dave were outside still working on some stuff at 3.30 this morning when Dave said, Herman, I've got to go to bed. I am wore out. I said, okay, you wimp, okay. <laughs> no, I didn't say that to him. I just said <laughs> <laughs> when when he said that today, I looked back and saw her, and she said, "We need to." Oh, I wouldn't even say what she said. <laughs> oh goodness! But anyway, you know they all know I stay up lots of hours and I don't sleep a whole lot, but it's just a gift God has given me. But anyway, uh, I prayed again uh, this morning after Cheryl's up so late doing things and enter stuff in her computer and everything else. I asked the Lord to bless her and let her get a good night's sleep and everything. And again, I said, Lord, please wake me up before the alarm goes off. 
so I can walk out, sneak out, and leave her sleeping. So this morning I woke up just bright, you know. I mean, I wasn't tired or anything. And I looked over there, and this time it was five minutes till the alarm was going to go off. And I said, turned it off and got up and got dressed and snuck out, and she never did know when I left. You know, God is interested in everything. You know, I mean, even in your alarm clock. You know, he's interested in unplugging the toilet for you to help you. By faith in the name of Jesus, we have this great and awesome name, the name of Jesus, that we can use. You know, but that's what he gave it to us for. He gave us the keys of the kingdom. You know, and we have dominion and power and authority on this earth to live the abundant life as his children. And I guess out of stupidity, you know, we just don't know what we can do, and we've listened to others. In fact, I was in the bank today making a deposit, and one of the ladies that I deal with in there, uh, she's a Church of Christ. She's just a lovely lady. <clears throat> and, of course, every time I go in there, I talk to her and tell her about some of the miracles or whatever. And, of course, she knows many of those experiences out there with people firsthand. She knows Kelly, Caitlin, and all those miracles. She's seen them. And so when I was in there, she said, you know, we had a little problem in our church a few weeks ago. I said, what happened? She said, one of our pastors began to teach from the Word and show us from the Bible where it's okay for us to use instruments in the church. And she said, has he had a lot of people come against him in the last few weeks? said, some of them even want to fire him. I said, isn't that amazing? I told her, I said, anytime any man, any preacher starts preaching what's in this book, the devils in the church are going to raise their ugly heads. I said, so just tell him, get used to it. Praise God. He's being persecuted. He's on the right track. Just keep up the good work. You know, so... And Cheryl and I talked about that on the way down here. I said, that's why men like Kenneth Hagin started his own ministry. That's why men like Kenneth Copeland started his own ministry. Got his own board. He can't be fired. You know, so he teaches a controversial subject. You know, faith. You know. In other words, he, the controversial subject that Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, and all these men of faith teach is the Word of God. And, and what? Oh, Dermot's really. Yeah, he teaches it too. Praise God. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Is that what I was saying? Because the Word of God, I mean, I, I will tell you all a little praise report we had today that Kathy was bouncing off the walls today. And she's always bouncing off the walls. But today, Kathy was, she was really bouncing off the walls today, wasn't she, Wendy? This gentleman called a couple of weeks ago, an older gentleman, and he was at Lubbock. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, very, getting way up there in age. And he called and said that uh, his wife of many years, many years, was uh, laying comatose in a hospital, and they wanted to unplug her two weeks ago. And he wanted to know what I thought about this. He said, after hearing you teach, he said, I can't believe I've been in the church all these years and didn't know these great promises that God put in there until I heard you speak the other day at Lubbock. But he said, I went back and I've been researching and listening to your stuff and said, what you say is in my Bible. And I said, well, <clears throat> does your wife want to live? He said, well, yes, I believe she does. And I said, do you want her to live? He said, I definitely want her to live. 
at least a, a few more years, another year or two or something, you know. He said, I, I think they were in there, what, about 90, and what is 90 years or 90 or 91 years old? But he said, yeah, we want to live a little longer. I said, well, okay. I said, then we pray the prayer of agreement and believe God. And we pray the prayer of agreement and believe God. I said, you believe? He said, I do. And he said, what am I supposed to do? I said, go tell them to unplug her. And then I said, tell, them, tell the doctor, we've prayed, it's done, and I guarantee you my wife is not going to die when you unplug her. He said, but, he said, Thurman, the doctor said, if they unplug her, she'll be dead in five minutes. I said, well, you're either going to believe him or you're going to believe God. I said, you walk up there and tell the doctor, we've prayed, I called a man of faith, I'm now a man of faith, I'm reading the promises, go ahead and unplug my wife and I guarantee you that Jesus is going to make her live. I'm going to do it. He called back today two weeks later. His wife is just doing fantastic. When he called this morning, Wendy, you were there. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, let me get a mic. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I know you and Kathy talked about this. Y'all were bouncing off the walls and everything else. Wow, y'all know it firsthand. Don't hold, huh? Right, sure, tell anything. You want to. Okay, so this, this sweet man, he says, um, I want to believe God for one more day with my wife like she was before she got in the coma because we need to get right with each other because she doesn't know that that I understand now from God's Word that I have to forgive her. So he's been holding unforgiveness for 30 years, right? Yeah. And Pastor talked to him on the phone when I ministered to him and talked to him about the Word of God. He listened to the tapes. And he knew how important it was. But that was what he wanted to get talk to Thurman and get started up to believe that God would give an opportunity to get right with her, with her being able to understand. And and so that would take a miracle just to get one day with her. And so y'all prayed. And he, he called and he said that was December the, the 4th. And when y'all prayed on the phone. And it took about 12 hours to get the doctors to even come back because, you know, they don't check on people like that. They're just there in the hospital. And um, so she she had a – before she was in the hospital, she was in a wheelchair, but she, you know, she was cognitive and everything else. I think what happened is she had pneumonia or something or whatever is what the final straw was. But, but before that, you know, they could understand. She could talk with him and everything. But they had had unforgiveness in their marriage, and for 30 years it was destroying their relationship, and it wasn't good at all. So y'all prayed December 4th, and um, then they they did the ventilator, or took her off the support, and just like Caitlin, you know, the doctors got to stand and see the glory of God, and so she did. She she breathed on her own, and then he said it's been that was the 18th, I guess, or today was the 19th, but the 18th is whenever he said that. He said that he had an opportunity, you know, for now it's been um, 14 days, two weeks. He was believing God for one day. He said, you know, it's been 14 days that he's got to talk. He said God totally restored his life to exactly like she was before she even went in the hospital. So, I mean, that's like an extreme improvement. And so he was praising God for that. And he said, I just got to call and tell y'all that I've got to spend 14 days of my life, and they got to get their hearts right with each other. And he got to share with her that he knows Jesus and that, he's, that she needs to understand that he's real. Amen. 
And she said, he said, honey, I don't know how much time God's going to give with that. This is Kathy telling me the story. She was on, just hopping all over the place. She goes, wow, God's going to give me a husband like that. He's on fire for God. And he's 90 years old and knows Jesus. So, I mean, you know, she was like, we get to be a part of this. You know, but really the truth is that God wanted a Christmas miracle for someone who realized that he was real. And that wanted the love of God for his wife. And you know, even though her body was, was going down quickly, oh, yeah. he knew that there needed to be some heart work that needed to be done in their life. And so, and so, one more thing. Yeah. So as Kathy is creating an atmosphere of praise throughout the office <laughs> in a loud way. And, uh, so as that's happening, I was having problems with our, our uh, machine that God blesses with a copier. And so <clears throat> every now and then, it doesn't cooperate with me. And so I was, before that, I was having kind of a rough day. It, Rosemary has a strong anointing for the copier. Hey. And she was. <laughs> you know what she does? She says, in the name of Jesus, you will work. That's what she does. Yeah. And it works. There you go. And it works. See what happens when you miss two and a half Bible study? <laughs> so I was having a, a bit of difficulty. So, so we stop and we praise the Lord together all over the office. And then I go back in there and I'm like, okay, Rosemary's not here. And Dave and Thurman, you know, usually up in the plane. I can't get to him. So I was like, well, today it's foggy, but still I can't get to him. And so um, I go back in there, and I'd unplugged it, you know. And so, and so and she's just praising God. So I'm like, you know what? i got to get something done today. So I go back in there, and I said, okay. So I, and I honestly, I didn't pray. I was just praising God. And so I was trying to calm down and get something done. And so I pushed the button, and it starts going. It worked great all day. I said, you know what? We need to praise God more. Amen. That's, that's exactly right with you. There's power in praise. We know that. You know, I mean, I mean, as we all know, you don't, a lot of times, when start, things start going wrong, you don't even have to ask Him. Just start praising Him. Yeah, and that's what these two girls were all doing out there today. I mean, Kathy, of course, I'm right in the middle of something whenever they got off the phone. I'm right in the middle. I got numbers scattered everywhere and everything else. She taps on my door and I said, yes. She said, are you ready for another praise report? I said, not now, not now. <laughs> I, I couldn't hardly really keep her out of my office, but I had everything. I thought, I don't want to start over on all this mess. I knew that in 10, 15 minutes I was going to be through. And I was, and then I could get out there, and of course, they were still on fire. And she said, I love working in this place. <laughs> I can't believe where I was a few years ago and where I am today. She said, and it all happened because I met that man. She pointed at me. She said, that changed my life forever. You know, I had the privilege to lead her to Jesus and get her filled with the Holy Ghost. And, and then she started coming to a Baptist church, and we tried to... Cool her down a little bit. We didn't have no luck. Praise God. <laughs> She's still on fire. You know, isn't it wonderful to know Jesus? You know, when we get to see these kind of things happen, and we get to see them all the time, don't we, Wendy? And Rosemary, you know, I mean, we get to see God do these great things. But just think, in this Luke 6.40, that a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained should be like his teacher. Now then, I'm a long way from being perfectly trained, but I'm a whole lot closer than I was 10 years ago. And I, in 10 more years, I want to be a whole lot closer than I am today because I want to see the anointing. You know, just like they said, Rosemary, can, she can make the coffee machine work. 
but she's learned how to use that name of Jesus. And she talks to that thing. I'll tell you for sure. And when she does, it works. You know, so in the Living Bible, it says, how can a student know more than his teacher? But if he works hard, he may learn as much. Well, see, that's the same thing. But see, this is the thing that's been wrong with us, the church. We haven't been willing to do that middle part, work hard. You know, we want to go to church on Sunday and if the weather's nice, you know, and the cowboys are not playing or whatever. You know, we want to go to church on Sunday and then we want to take our Bible with us but put it under our arm and listen to the preacher for a half hour. And then we get up and go home. And most of you be just like I was. You know, I walk out the door and go to lunch and, and somebody said, where you been? I said, well, I've been church since morning. And, oh, the preacher had a great message this morning. I really loved it. What was it about? I couldn't even remember the title. I know y'all have all done that just like I have. Well, that devil will steal it right out of your mind and your heart. You know, you can come to church and you go out and go get something to eat and you don't know nothing. But yet, you know, you might walk, especially you ladies, you know, you could just on the way home from church, just walk by a storefront window and there's a most beautiful dress. And you look at that just ten seconds and you get down there and four hours later somebody says, what did you do? Well, I went to church, but on the way home I saw this dress in the window. Ooh, was that thing beautiful. I mean, you know, they say, I mean, am I telling you the truth? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it, 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 it had this and had this kind of sleeves and it was this color and had this kind of belt on it and everything. See, we remember. Now, if it was a guy, you know, if it's a guy, you know, then... You know. Oh, sure, yeah. Oh, oh I'm telling you, I'm, 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 I'm not going to cut you all short, ladies. I'm telling you, I know us guys, you know, we look at that dress, we don't, rem- we don't remember that dress, but you may look out here and, well, if it's in ties and mines, and, you know, or they, there's a new airplane sitting over there, whoo, we look at that thing, we know what color it is, know what kind of systems it's got in it, we know what kind of tires it's got on it, everything. You know, because it's where your interests are, right? But obviously our interest is not in church, because it doesn't matter whether it's man or woman. We're just trying to get closer to the angels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> trying to get closer to the angels. <clears throat> okay, well now I will have to tell you what Ty told me the other day himself. Now he said, if you want your son to become a better prayer warrior, just take him flying with you. He took his son down to A and M the other day to see a football game, and they flew back the other night at n- other evening after dark at night with his son. And of course, you know he's a fairly new pilot. And he said his son done lots of praying on the way home. <laughs> you know, so, amen, praise the Lord. You want to get them to pray, you know, get them out there where there's a need, you know. I mean, if there's no need, who needs to pray? You know, but if there's a need, I mean, just like the other day, Ty took off in the wind, and he said he made a turn, and the wind was real heavy, and he said it even scared him. I bet he prayed a little bit right there. <laughs> He's always got his prayer warrior praying, praise him. But now let me tell you, all joking aside, we need to pray about everything. Yeah. 
no matter what it is, you know, we need to be in prayer continuously about everything we do, whether it's about the toilet, you know, whether it's about uh, the sleeping, you know, regardless of what it is. You know, I mean, everything we need to be asking God for because if you don't ask Him, He can't do it. If that gentleman hadn't called in, Wendy, if I hadn't been at Lubbock, their whole eternity might have been different. But we were there. You know, we went because God called us to go. And we went and they heard it teach. And in fact, I got another, I got an email this afternoon from a lady also. And she started off, said, we, uh, my sister went to one of your meetings. She heard about you. And she said, I thought I'd just go, you know, kind of another one of them crazy healing preachers, you know. I'll just go see what he's got to say. And so she said she came to Longview, and she was so moved with what she heard, she picked up a bunch of my stuff, and she said she gave it to all of us, her brothers, sisters, and whatever, and said, we're all Church of Christ, and said, it has lit our fire. She said, wow, you said Church of Christ? She's saying this like this is what I would say, you know. And she said, that's right, we're Church of Christ. But she said, your teaching has revolutionized the way we look at the Word of God. It has whole, had a set us up. says, our Bibles say the same thing you teach. <laughs> and so, isn't it amazing, you know, what God is doing in these days? After all, when you serve the King, He's the one that moves on your heart and makes these things work. So, well, He don't care if you're Church of Christ, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, Pentecostal, whatever you are. He just wants you to be about His business. And so, that's the beautiful part about what we do. It's just walking in a love walk with God. Now then, how many of you as a student would be like, like to be like your teacher? I want to be like my teacher, my master, Jesus. And I want to be perfectly trained. But let me tell you, it's not going to happen without some effort, is it, Wendy? Yeah, Wendy's going to school, you know, putting in lots of hours studying. Of course, we're always studying the Word, talking about it out there at the ministry center all the time anyway. But we're all trying to increase our knowledge about our, our master, our teacher. <clears throat> now, Jesus was our example. He is the one, when we say our teacher, uh, our master, Jesus, he was that. And, of course, when we go to 1 Peter 2.21, he says there in 1 Peter 2.21, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, he left us an example that we should follow His steps. So see, this goes right along with Luke 6.40. So we're supposed to be trained perfectly just like He was. He was our example and our example that we should follow in His steps and be perfectly trained just like He was. And of course, the next verse said, Who did no sin? So if He did no sin, then you're... And my example is we are to commit no sin. We are to walk holy before God. <clears throat> I will have to say that is a pretty good one to think about. It, you have to totally change the way you think to even be able to get to that. But you can obviously do it because the king would not ask you and me to do something that was not possible. He did no sin. Neither was there any guile found in his mouth. In other words, he didn't say anything bad about anybody. You know, he didn't retaliate. When he was reviled even, he didn't revile again. 
And when he, when he suffered even. Now, you really want to get to somebody. You put some hurt on them. Physical hurt on them. Now, they can be a little gentle. In fact, there was a man here the other day that told me. He said, you know, I learned these principles and said, this was so difficult for me because he's a great, big, strong guy. But he said, I realized that I had to walk like this. He said, one day some men got really mad at me and said, I was there and I was just trying to love them and tell them about Jesus. And he said, one of those men just bounced like that and hit me right in the face. Just bam. He said, if that had been just a few years ago, I'd have killed him. But he said, now then Jesus is in control. He said, after he hit me and knocked me over like this, he said, I just turned this one and stood there. I said, where did you learn that? He said, the word says, turn the other cheek. <laughs> Does that really take something to do that? Now, this guy was big enough to hurt you. I mean, he was big enough to hurt you. I mean, he was a big boy. But he was being controlled by the Spirit of the living God. And he said, the man says, aren't you going to fight? He said, no. He said, I just love you. And he changed the whole scene. Everything changed. All he had to done was forgot this verse. Even when he suffered, he threatened them not. Jesus, that was his exact example. I can't fathom the Lord, after he'd been beaten and nailed to a cross and everything else, had never retaliated, hadn't said a word, and he just looked down, hanging from that cross, which I can't even fathom that, and said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Wow. What an example for you and me to follow. Ooh. Lord, help me to remember that every day of my life. When he was, when he, even when he was threatened, but he committed himself to him that judges righteously. Say, Lord, there they are. You take care of my light work for me. And everything's light work for God. As in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, the Word of God says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, if a man thinks these things, then obviously we've got to retrain ourselves about how to think. You know, because the average person don't think no sin. The average person does not think no guile, no deceit. When you're threatened to be at peace, we don't think like that. We've been trained to think contrarywise. I mean, that's just the way we think. I mean, we've been taught to retaliate. Now, if you don't think that the children today have been trained like that, if they have watched one cartoon, can you, do you ever find a cartoon on secular television? That's nice and gentle and without any violence or anything anymore. I mean, I haven't seen anything. I mean, there, you turn the television on on a secular station on Saturday morning when all the children are at home, and you can turn, turn through the channels to watch the cartoon, and there is wicked, foul, murdering and killing and blood and guts and everything else on the cartoons. It's bad. It's really bad. It is. It's awful, isn't it? 
I, I, I don't want to feed myself that stuff to you. No. But you know, even even when I was a kid, you know, when Tom and Jerry and Ellen, oh, still fighting. It's bad. Sure. Yeah. Not quite. Ellen, not quite. But they were always beating up on each other, wasn't they? Roadrunner. Yeah. Yeah. Ever everything, but it's just gone from little by little by little. I can remember. I know. I see now the trend, the way the devil works. I remember when I was a child. I used to go to the movies on Saturday afternoon there in my little hometown, and you never heard a word of profanity in the movie. It was non-existent. And then one day, I went to a movie, and right at the end, I heard one man use a little three-letter word, D-A-M. And you could hear everybody in the movie theater swallow their tongue. But now, in fact, a few years ago, somebody asked me to go to a movie. And I went. And I said, it's got to be a good, clean movie. Oh, it is. That's okay. Went in there, and we hadn't been in there 10 minutes. And somebody said, the Lord's name is vain. I said, whoa. And he said, well, that won't happen no more. Within five minutes, it happened second time. I said, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm gone. And I got up and walked out. I said, I ain't watching this trash. I ain't staying here. I'm not. So I think that's the last movie I went to. And until Cheryl and I, we went to a few movies uh, since we've been married. But uh, the movies that we went to were Christian movies or about the Lord. And, and they was pretty good. So we haven't had any. In fact, the last two we went to, we went to them, you know, Thanksgiving Day. They were absolutely great. You saw those two, didn't you? Those were great movies. <clears throat> they went to see uh, yeah, One Night with the King. We saw that. And then the uh, Facing the Giants. Facing the Giants. That's an extremely good movie. Facing the Giants and One Night with the King. Both of them were, you know, of course, One Night with the King was based on the book of Esther. The Nativity Story is better than One Night with the King. Nativity Story? Is it on? Yeah. I mean, I was in the theater and I could feel the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. Praise the Lord. That's on right now? It's called The Nativity? Nativity Story. Okay, praise the Lord. Yeah, we'll have to go see that. We'll have to go see it. Okay, now then after, in other words, if we, if we, as a man thinks in his heart, if this is the way a man is or a woman, if, if this is the way you think, you know, then we're going to have to obviously learn to retrain ourselves, right? I know I've had to, I, when it comes to faith, I've had to totally retrain Myself, the way I think, to walk in faith. I have to. I've had to teach myself to think God's promises and not what I see, because you know, most of my life I was trained that you know, if, if I see you sitting there, I believe you're sitting there. You know, if I see this chair, I think that seat will hold me up when I sit down. I've been trained that you know there is legs under it and everything look heavy enough, so I believe I can sit down. But I'm seeing all this. You know, but the Word of God doesn't work like that. The Word of God, you've got to call things that be not as though they were. You've got to be able to pray the prayer of faith for a man like I did a couple of weeks ago, that gentleman, and say, now then, we prayed the prayer of faith. Jesus said, if two of us agree about anything, if you agree, go tell them to unplug her and tell the doctor you guarantee she's going to live. Now, see, that's, that takes faith, doesn't it? Because the doctor said, 
The doctor said that if we unplug her, that's just like the other day when Vernon Cannon asked me just a few months ago, have you ever seen God heal dyslexia? I said, well, no, I don't think so. He said, do you believe he can? I said, no. He said, do you think he can? I said, no, I know he can. I know he can. And so I prayed the prayer of faith for him. He said, what do I do? I said, all you need to do is begin to worship and praise the king. Two and a half months later, he could see, and two weeks later, they came here on Tuesday night, and Ty was here, and Ty talked to him, and this man's healed. He can read and everything. Ty said, that's impossible with man. He's a doctor. He said, ain't no man can heal this dyslexia. It's impossible. Only God can do that. This man, for 77 years, could not read, and after praying for him, and him worshiping the king and believing in two and a half months, for the first time in 77 years, he can read. So we serve an awesome God, Wendy. Isn't that awesome? And of course, his little wife, she had hurt herself three weeks before. And she said they had prayed over her arm, everything. She said, it don't get no better. And they woke up that Tuesday morning. And she said, it's, I've had it. I've been hurting for three weeks. You can see God heals you. She said, we're going to go back to see Thurman. And they drove from Hobbs, New Mexico, and showed up here on Tuesday night to Bible study. I'm telling you, it really takes a dedicated person to drive from Hobbs, New Mexico, to Dallas for a Bible study on Tuesday night. And that woman walked in standing right there. When I walked in, she came in. She said, I know that if you'll pray over me, God will heal my arm. She said, that's it. That's her faith. And I reached up and just laid my hands on her and said, in the name of Jesus. And that's all I had to say. And she screamed and said, not pain, what away. And she was healed. They stayed the whole time. And he gave his testimony about his dyslexia. She gave her a testimony about the healing of her arm. And then they stayed at the hotel here that night. And the next day they drove back to Hobbs, New Mexico. And Jesus showed up for both of them. So we serve an awesome God. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, that lady. She's been, yeah, the lady was, yeah. Boy, what a night at Bible study. Woo, praise the King. So now then, we have to train ourselves to rethink. You know, we can't think like we've normally been trained to think. You've got to learn to think faith. Think the Word of God. If Jesus said it, that's where the reality has to be. And you can't believe what the world says because that's where we've been trained. We've been trained with our five physical senses. I mean, you walk in and the average person, doctor, whatever it is, uh, you know, if they tell you that I'm sorry that, you know, you have something, it's incurable and you can't ever get rid of it. What do we usually believe? That that's the case. But if you meet some guy that tells you Jesus says something else, we've got to find your sin and get rid of it. And if you get rid of that sin, if you believe God, He guarantees you Jesus will heal you. What do you think about a guy like that? Well, I think that's great. <laughs> you think that's great? Being well is a lot better than being sick, isn't it? Especially when you're what you got is incurable. Right? I'm telling you. And so many people have this problem. So many people have these problems. Now then, you have to learn to think right. Now, where do we find these answers? Let's go to Mark chapter 7, and let's see what the Word of God says. Let's start with verse 20. Mark seven twenty. Now, this is all out of the King James I'm reading out of tonight. 
I copied and pasted all these verses out of the King James. <clears throat> In Mark chapter 7, verse 20. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and they defile the man. How, how do we learn to think? Do you have to teach a person how to be covet? How to covet things? Oh, they just automatically won't. I mean, you see kids, children. I mean, you don't have to teach them to take toys away from each other, do they? No, no. I mean, a little two-year-old, he can walk in and he's playing with his toy and another little two-year-old walks in he walks up, he wants it, he just grabs it out of his hand and runs with it. He don't ask you if I can play with your toy. He just grabs it and runs with it. And then there's a war going on. Screaming and kicking and fighting and running and pushing down. We, we see this all the time, don't we? Well, this is the way they're trained. You know, they're trained because the enemy is there. Now then, out of the men, out of our hearts proceed these evil thoughts because our hearts are filthy. I mean, to start out with, they're really bad. Adulteries, fornication, and murders come out of our hearts. You don't have to teach a man, you know, how to commit adultery or fornication. He knows how to do that from day one. You know, there was a person here a while back, I made a statement, you know, that I said, you need to start training your children young about sex. Because I said, if you don't, they're going to they're go the wrong direction. And somebody said, well, I'm not even going to start teaching my children about that till they get to be about 12. I said, let me tell you, you better start teaching them at about 4. What are you talking about? I said, well, today, if they watch cartoons or if they go to public school, they're going to need to know very early. Because I said, there's a lot of children in school that know how to do things wrong. And I said, you know, I deal with people in this church that their daughters have already been sexually abused by a seven or an eight-year-old boy. And they just couldn't believe it. Oh, huh? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, let's put this on the tape so hear what you've encountered. I was out the other night looking for toys for children and came across the little Bratz dolls. They have now got a, like, you know, Barbie used to have a, like a little dream bed in a car and everything. They have a nightclub scene to where you, it's like for your blind date and all of your little dolls can come and sit around the bar. Well, the world is constantly becoming more and more wicked. Why are they doing that? Because we don't say anything. We, the church, don't say anything. We just let them do it. You know? I mean, it's time we stand our ground for holiness. You know, literally stand our ground. You have to learn how and where these things come from. 
But these things come from a man's heart. The Lord tells us this in His Word. You know, like I say, <clears throat> every young boy, I mean, if, if he's a man, by the time he's ten years old, he's had the wrong kind of thoughts. You know, he's, he, it's, I mean, by the time you're 12 or 13, I mean, I mean, it happens. In fact, I got tickled. I went when my son was about 10. Yeah, he's in the fifth grade, so he's about 10. I went to a camp with him, and I went as a counselor. As I walked up to the doorway, one of the boys, all, all the other boys were already in there, and some of them made a statement about something. And when they did, Timothy was right behind me, and he heard it. He walked in right in the middle of these boys, just as honest as he could be, and he says, what does that mean? And they all laughed at him. They snickered, you know, and they wouldn't say anything. And I said, boys, they knew what they did was use a slang word about an organ of a man. And I told Tim, I said, that's what this, what they're talking about. This is the term it's called. And I always oh, said, Dad, I, of course, I know what that is. I said, because I've told you the real name for it. But these boys have never heard the real name. They've only heard the slang names, and that's what they call it. Oh, he said, okay. He understood. But I told the boys, I said, boys, there's not anything wrong with that. God made that. He put it on you. You know, He made it there for a purpose. You know, And I, explained, I said, no, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I said, you have to learn how to control it. You know, And as I talked to those boys openly about their sex organs, you know, they were awestruck that I, as a, an adult, would sit there and talk to them as 10-year-old boys. They thought, how does he know these things? <laughs> See, they don't know. They don't understand what you know as the adult. You know, they just live in a whole different world. But I sat down with my children and explained all these things to them. And I explained to them how they were going to be confronted with the world. And let me tell you, if you don't tell your children, I mean, this stuff of murder, fornication, adultery, and all these other things that's listed here is going to be in every human being's heart. Now, you've got to learn how to purge those things out and get rid of them because if you don't, they will rule you through life. They'll rule you. And until you learn how to retrain yourself in thinking, you know, You'll fall to these things every time. You're a pushover. Now then, if all these things come from within and they defile the man, how can we learn, how can we retrain ourselves so that we'll know how to do this? Well, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's start at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Let's start there. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. Second Corinthians ten three says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of these strongholds. How do we do that? It says, Cast down even imaginations that come to your mind. And every 
high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, now then, if you start reading, learning the Word of God, you're putting the Word in you, you begin to know what's right and what's wrong. So now then, when the enemy or yourself begins to put a thought in your mind about, well, the list we started with there was evil thoughts. An evil thought comes to your mind. You want to do some harm to somebody. An evil thought comes to your mind. What do you do with that evil thought? You first think, as the evil thought, the imagination that begins to build up in your mind, the way the devil works, as the imagination begins to come forth, immediately you capture it. Oh, that's from the devil. Learn that he's talking to you. God talks to you and the devil talks to you. And when the devil starts saying, putting an evil thought in your mind, you immediately capture that thought and throw it out. Get out, devil, in the name of Jesus, just like you did. In the name of Jesus, I command that thought to leave me. Because I know that's coming from the enemy. But what do we do? As young boys. I mean, I, I, tonight. Tonight, I was sitting out in the car for sure. I went in to get something at Barnes & Noble's. I was studying, and all of a sudden, here's a little car pulls up and parks right over there, and two real nice-looking girls dressed in tight slacks get out. You know, you can't help but see. Here they are. Well, here comes the boys walking down the street. And these boys walking down the street, and they come... You know, all the way down the street, they're looking at these girls. You know, I mean, it's gawky. I mean, is that normal? Sure, men do that. Until they get trained. And then they don't do that no more. And they're not looking at these girls in their eyes. They're looking at this and this. That's what they're looking they ain't looking from here up. They're looking to see what their bodies look like. You know, you can see them. Boy, you know, we're looking. You can see these guys walking down. They're looking up and down. You know, I'm sitting over just laughing about this. So I'm sitting here reading this information and studying this, and I'm sitting here watching this very thing happen before my eyes. But it happens. It happens to all young men or even older men until they learn to capture their thoughts. Once you learn to capture thoughts, then after that, you always, when you look at a woman, you look at her in her eyes. Unless she's your wife. Then you look at her anywhere you want to. You know, that, that's okay. God gives you that freedom. As long as you're married to the woman, you can look at her anywhere. You know, but not another woman. You're only supposed to look at other women in your eyes. And I got real, I was really blessed with little Kathy the other day. She said, after I got saved, my whole world changed. And when I came into the Christian world, she said, there was not a single person, including the preacher at the Baptist church, that I felt comfortable with but one. And she said, and that's him right there. She pointed at me. She said, I always feel comfortable around Thurman. I thought, thank you, Jesus. I know why that is. It's because when I looked at Kathy, if I ever looked at her, when she looked at me, I was looking at her in her eyes. 
So she felt comfortable with me. She knew where my thoughts were. But I had to learn over the years to train myself to do that. You know? That's not a normal man. A normal man don't do that. A normal man looks at a woman everywhere except in her eyes. You know that. Well, I know. Sure. I mean, I know. But guys are worse than, than girls. You know, but I know women are like that too. Yeah, I know. I've, I've been around women of the world a little bit, and I've heard them make a compliment about a guy, you know. So I know it works both ways. Now then, if we have to walk in the flesh, I have to walk inside this thing I live in. I'm bound here until the Lord takes me out. But I can control this thing if I want to. I have a choice every day of how I want to do it. In other words, I, could, I can say, I can walk up and say, okay, today I've decided I'm going to change all my tactics and every woman I see, I'm just going to lust after her and look after her. I have that choice. I can do that. It's my choice every day of my life I have to make. Or I can say, I'm going to have good thoughts about these people or I'm going to have evil thoughts about these people. I I'm going to fight that battle as long as this body lives. But I have to be in control every day. I have to say, I'm not going to have evil thoughts about no one. I'm going to have good thoughts about first people. Just like a here a while back, a long time ago, really several years ago, when I was still working as an engineer, one of the men that worked for one of the women out there, she was a very nice lady. She was a manager. And I said something to Paul. I said, I talked to your boss this morning, and you wouldn't believe what she said about you. He never even hesitated. He said, Thurman, if Joan said anything about me, I know it was good. So he knew his boss. I couldn't even get to it. I said, there ain't nothing I can do to make you think otherwise. He said, no. He said, I know my boss. She's a wonderful woman. And she would never say nothing about me except something good. So see, that's the way we should be known, right? We shouldn't have these other things. But anyway, this can only be done by doing what the Word of God says. Capturing the imaginations of thoughts that come to your mind. Anytime anything begins to come to your mind that does not line up with the Word of God, you need to immediately capture that thought instead of meditating on that thought. You know, somebody says something, you take it wrong. You know, instead of, hmm, Okay, that guy down church or that woman down there, she said something to me. I don't like the way she said that. I didn't like the way she rolled her eyes. You know, and you walk out the door and the devil's just working on your mind. You know, you know. she said she didn't like my sermon today. How dare this woman? She didn't know I spent ten hours getting ready for this. But it might not have been no good. You know, so if she didn't like it, that's okay. Who cares? You know, I mean, so don't let it bother you. Capture the thought, throw away the thought, instead of saying, well, you know, Cheryl said something bad about mom. I ain't going to talk to her no more for a week. Now, who do those thoughts come from? The devil. You know, don't make any difference what somebody says about you. Capture that thought. If a thought comes to your mind to do something, to think on an evil thought about that person, just throw that thing away. Don't even meditate on it. Don't go that far. Begin with, just like the Scripture says, begin with the imaginations of the thoughts. Capture them right there. 
But if you can't capture them there, whenever they are full-blown, then at least throw them away. You know, don't meditate on them. But you have to learn how to change the way you think if you don't want to be defiled. Then let's go to Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. This is what we have to do. We have to let this mind, he's talking about here, rule us. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. Philippians 4, 2. I'll give you a minute to find Philippians 2, 4. Or, I mean, 4, 2, excuse me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, having of one, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Let nothing. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this man, Philippians, Philippians 4. Oh, I switched. I got it switched. Okay. Okay, how did I do that? Philippians 2, 4. Huh? Okay. Okay, sometimes when I type those out up there, I get the wrong number there. I hate it, I'm human. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Okay, so it's Philippians chapter 2, 2, 2, 2. Okay, 2, 2. So at least I got the verses right. Okay, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. This is what the Lord wants us to be. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Nothing. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Now, that really takes some training to get to where you look at somebody else better than you. you know, I mean, we're, we're human beings. We want to be number one. You don't believe that? We saw a perfect example of that the other day, even at the Christmas party. We saw poor little children, although they had one or two or three or four presents. Somebody else had six or eight, and they're all upset and crying because they ain't got six or eight. You see what I'm telling you, Tom? This is something you have to train people to do. And you've got to start out with them when they're babies. You can't wait till they get 50 or 60 years old to start training them. You need to start early. It's a real chore to train people to live where the Word of God 
commands us to live. That's why it's so hard if you have people that have lived in the world so many years, I mean, have been so wicked and lived there to train them to become godly where they can walk in faith, where they can see God do great and mighty things through them. It just takes a long time to build their faith. So whenever somebody has been in a church, but they've not been trained in faith, and all of a sudden, now then, they hear the truth, and their spirit agrees with what you're teaching. And they say, I know this is God. But they try to make it work, and it don't work. That's just like Vernon and his wife, when they drove from out there to here, they had prayed over his wife for three weeks, and nothing had happened. And I touched her in the name of Jesus, and the king instantly healed her. Is that awesome or is that awesome? That says something for the Word, doesn't it? We need to get there in faith. We need to train ourselves. We need to retrain our mind to think. Just like when I told that gentleman that Wendy was talking about there a while ago. When I told him, now then, do you believe the Word? I do, sir. I agree with you. I said, good. Tell him to unplug your wife and guarantee the doctor she'll live. I mean, there was definitely silence on the other end of the phone for a little while. That put you to the test too, wouldn't it, Cheryl? That put anybody to the test. I mean, you're going to trust a God that's invisible, that you can't see, that you've got a book full of promises, but that's your wife on the other end of that thing. And the doctor said, if you take that support offer, she can be dead in five minutes. And you're going to have the audacity to think that you're going to take a written book and you're going to stand on it and tell them to unplug her and you guarantee that she's going to live? Hey. Well, when you get there, you can get there, can't you, Rosemary? Yeah. But it, you, you didn't get there overnight either. And you're, well, we are both are. Yeah, we both are. We're definitely, we're definitely all working on it. Yes, we are. But at least we're seeing the king do some things, aren't we? Oh, praise the Lord. We're seeing the king do something. We know he's listening, don't we? And every time he does something wonderful, it builds our faith a little higher. And so we, we get to see him do some wonderful things out there, don't we, Wendy? I mean, God is so awesome. Now then, when he says, Nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How are you going to get his mind in you? That's it. This is his mind, isn't it? His Word is His mind, and the only way you're going to get it in you is if you read it and study it. You know. Now, what Wendy would love for me to do, I know what she'd love me to do. She'd love me to grind that book up, put a funnel in the top of her head, board it, and say, here, honey, here it is. It's right. <laughs> That's the way I'd like for it to be done, too, I guarantee. I'd love for it to be like that, but it don't work like that, does it? We've got to get in the Word. And that's just like today. I mean, I'm up. I studied last night. I studied this afternoon. I had two or three things I wanted to do today. But I, I thought, Lord, I've got to teach Bible study tonight. 
So I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm listening. I read, uh, I couldn't even, I, I won't even tell you all the different books I read of the Bible today. I read a lot of them, and I'm listening to them. And Cheryl comes in and says, what are you going to teach all tonight? I said, I don't have a clue. We get in the car while we're going. She said, God give you anything yet? I said, nope. She said, what are you going to do? I said, honey, I've learned a long time ago, just trust God. I said, I don't know what he's going to do tonight. I have no idea. I said, I have read and studied books of the Bible today, last night, but I don't have a clue where I'm going to start. I said, I just picked up an outline a while ago, and I said, okay, God, i got a few verses here. We'll do something. And so I studied, and whenever she went in and bought whatever she did at the bookstore a while ago, when she came out, she said, well, God give you anything? I said, well, he's beginning to give me a little. I'm beginning to get a little. You know, she says, what are you going to do? I said, just like I always do, trust Him. Trust Him. That's all. Yeah, bring it with God. You know, it's not like I didn't study, but I studied, but everything I studied last night today, none of it is what we're talking about right now. So, so anyway, He gave me all this at another time. So we're going to let this mind be in us. You know, me. The last one we were on was uh, that was Philippians chapter two, and verses uh, yeah two through four and five. Let this mind be in you, Philippians two. Let's go. So let's go to Philippians four. Then four. Let's see what Philippians four four says. Now let's go over there. Maybe I'm in the right place if I didn't make a mistake there. And let's see what the Lord says here. Uh, as we were talking about, let this mind be in you. You have to learn how to fill your mind and what to fill your mind with. And Philippians four four he tells us this. Number one, he says. Now this is this fits perfect with what Wendy was saying about the piece of equipment, how she was just praising God and rejoicing in the Lord. And her piece of equipment started working, and it worked beautiful all day. And she didn't even have to ask God to fix it. He knew it was broke, but when she started praising Him and worshiping Him along with Kathy, and you couldn't have been at the minister center today and not worshiped and praised God because Kathy was bouncing off the walls. I mean, that little gal, was wasn't she with me? I mean, she was on fire. Oh, I'll tell you, the Holy Ghost was just working. Woo! Praise the Lord. I mean, I walked through there a couple times. They'd go get me a cup of tea. Well, I would come back out and I said, Lord, I can't praise you enough to think that you've surrounded me with a group of beautiful people like this that is just praising you. I said, what a place to work, Lord. What a place to work. I said, I walk out and of these girls grumbling or complaining about something. They're praising the Lord. Come on, knocking on my door. Can I give you another praise report? I said, praise God. What a place to work. Isn't it wonderful? Wow. Hey, praise the Lord. Jesus, he, he really, he pays us good, doesn't he? I mean, I'm not talking about the money he gives us. I'm talking about all the other things he gives us. Rejoice in the Lord. So let Philippians 4.4, Rejoice in the Lord every once in a while. Always. Oh, that, I thought that was a misprint in my book. 
<laughs> Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, I repent, Lord. I repent. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Rejoice. Rejoice always. And again, I say, rejoice. Wow. Okay. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. How close at hand is He right now? He's right here. That's how close He is. He's in each one of us. We brought Him with us tonight, and you cannot get rid of Him. He's going to be there. You know? Amen. Watch your mouth. I guarantee He's with you. I mean, if I can ask Him as I'm laying there with Cheryl getting ready to go to bed, and I can ask Him as I pray to wake me up a few minutes before the alarm goes off, so I don't have to wake her up. And two mornings in a row, just a few minutes before the alarm set, he wakes me up just wide awake. I'm telling you, the king is listening. He's there. He hears your prayers even when you pray them silently. You know, I tried that one time. I thought, you know, I will just ask the Lord silently. I wouldn't even speak it. I wouldn't even open my lips. But I, in my thoughts, I say, Lord, would you wake me up a few minutes before my alarm goes off in the morning so Cheryl won't have to be awakened. And that morning, just a few minutes full of all bam! He reads your thoughts, everything. He knows everything about you. What a God we serve. So, we can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Then he says in verse 6, be careful or anxious for nothing. Now, that's pretty hard for us Christians to do. When something starts happening, you know, we want to get all upset or anxious or whatever. But be careful or be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Now, I told you all the other day about how I'd look for that part, that book. You all remember that I was telling you about that? Couldn't find that book. And here I am, the pastor of the church, and I have not prayed. Boy, if you talk about the height of stupidity, you know, when Dave finally walked in, he said, Pastor, what's wrong? I said, Dave, I've got to find this book to find out what that code two flashing lights is. I don't have a clue. I've looked everywhere. I've looked on the Internet. i called the company. I've done everything, and I can't find those codes. He said, well, my pastor would say, have you prayed about it yet? <laughs> That's what he'd say, isn't it, Rosary? <laughs> Why can't I do that for y'all that I have such a problem doing it for myself? Amen. <laughs> so I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I repent and I asked you where the book was. And immediately he told me. I mean, immediately. I just, I, as soon as I said, Lord, thank you, just like that scripture says, I knew where that book was. I got up out of my chair, walked around, walked around into another room, walked right in there and put my hand right on it. There it was. Isn't God awesome? But see, he says, he tells you what to do. How come we don't believe him? How come I don't believe him? After I've taught it all these years, you'd think I'd finally get it. <laughs> you'd think so, wouldn't you? Oh, goodness. But in everything, not a few things, everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And if you'll do that, the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, your heart 
and your mind is going to be controlled by Christ Jesus. So, those things we talked about a while ago, out of the men come evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, wickedness, covetousness. Those things ain't going to be there, are they? No, they're going to go away. Because you're seeking the Lord, you're capturing every thought, so those wild, violent things are not there anymore. You don't, you don't even... I mean, a devil comes by and says, Oh, wouldn't you like to do this or do that? And you, when, that, when the imagination begins to come, you immediately sense where it's coming from. Now, if a good thought's coming, you need to do something good for people. Hey, listen, Lord, I'm listening. I'll do whatever you say. You know. And when you do, people get blessed. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, it shall keep your hearts and your mind through Christ Jesus. So you don't have to worry about that. Your mind, you're going to be in great shape. Out of your heart and out of your mouth is going to speak what? In the name of Jesus. <laughs> and it makes no difference. In the name of Jesus. I don't care if it's a coffee machine or a stool. You know, they'll work when you speak to them in the name of Jesus. Or a lot of other things. I mean, I have spoken the name of Jesus over a lot of things in my life. And then he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, and if there be any virtue or moral excellence, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, see, he's telling you what to feed into your mind, isn't he? That's what he's telling us, what to feed into our mind. Now then, do you want to walk in great faith? You want to see God do great things when you pray? You want to see your machines work when you speak to them in the name of Jesus? Then you've got to think on these things, right? Now then, when you go off to a hotel and you pay a lot of money for a room, <laughs> you don't want to grumble about the coffee maker. It don't work, right? <laughs> you see, when you see down there, I'm telling you. Oh, she knows I love her. That little girl knows she's my daughter. I love her with all my heart. You know, she's a good teaching tool, just like my wife. You know, so she's a great teaching tool. She knows when she. But that, that's a, when he did do that here a while back. But how many of y'all have been guilty of these things? She went off and spent some time in a hotel and the coffee maker didn't work. And she, of course, you know, she lightly grumbled because the coffee maker didn't work. You know, and it made her sick. And it made her sick. You know, but she's learned a great lesson, didn't you, Wendy? Next time when the coffee maker don't work, you're going to take it down to the front desk and say, you know, this don't work. Could y'all have a replacement I could have? Yeah, or call Amen. And it'll start working, right? It'll start working. I can just see that now. She's got it. She's okay. The coffee maker don't work in my hotel room. Let me call Kathy. Kathy starts praying. They start worshiping God. And that thing just starts bubbling over there right there. Praise of God. Hey, I mean, I'm serious. You know, when we start thinking the right kinds of way, you know, we, we don't go to that grumbling and complaining no more. We do all things without grumbling and complaining. We all do all things in worship and praise. And, I mean, just think now. Think how hard this is. Think of Paul. And it wasn't near this hard on Wendy. But think of Paul. 
Paul here, he gets, he's preaching the gospel and they don't like it. And so they beat him and Barnabas with a cat of nine tails. Beat him on a naked back. I'm going to take his shirt off so he can really get some meat and some blood. I mean, don't you know that hurt? Thirty-nine stripes with a cat of nine tails, backs lacerated, tore all to pieces. He is in excruciating pain. And then they take him out there and throw him into the prison and put him in stocks and pin him down, him and Barnabas both. And what do they do? Grumble and complain? What did they start doing, Rosemary? Start praising the king. They can't raise their hands because they're locked in the stocks, but they got them raised on the inside. Lord, we thank You and praise You for the privilege to preach Your Word. Lord, You're so mighty. We love You. We thank You for the opportunity. Lord, although we got beat up on, we thank You and praise You. We worship You. And they did that all the way till midnight. Everybody said, these guys are crazy. Look at that blood running down their back. Don't you know they're hurting? They ought to be grumbling and complaining. But no, they knew the Word. They were doing everything with thanksgiving. They had learned to control their thought process. Paul and Barnabas had learned to speak the Word of God. Huh? Oh, was it Silas? Okay, Paul and Silas. Okay. Yeah. When they were speaking the Word, and they were speaking it in love, and as they did at midnight, finally at midnight, God showed up for them, and a mighty miracle happened, and the prison doors opened, and their stocks come loose, and they got set free, and they led everybody in the prison to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? The battle was raging. But these two men knew these principles that we were talking about. And you know the average one of us? We praise Him for five minutes maybe and the blood's running down your back. And ain't somebody over there washing your back. You're saying, oh God, my back's hurting. I'm, Lord, I'm dying. Where are you at? Would you come pray for me again? He said, no, I prayed for you. You just worship and praise me. It's done. But Lord, I'm hurting. He said, I know you're hurting, but you worship and praise me. Now, you might have a little pain in your back, but you ain't had no pain in your back because you ain't had 39 stripes across your back lately, have you? You ain't, your back is not opened up and lacerated and blood's not running down your back, is it? No. So can you worship Him and praise Him? Yes. You worship Him and praise Him and thank Him. Now, if it took them boys took Paul and Silas till midnight before Jesus came on the scene. It might take you a little while before you can bring him on the scene too. Right? right. But if you bring him... Oh, you got a question? Uh, a oh, hold it just a second. Let me get you a mic. Yeah, we want this to be on the tape so we can hear what you say. Praise the King. Um, recently, I have not been... Praising, I've been upset um, over um, being totally taken advantage of by somebody and basically had money stolen from me. And I was angry at myself because everything inside me knew I shouldn't go along with this, but I did because other people reassured me it was fine and was just taken by someone who needs a lot of prayer and mm-hmm. she is just beat up on you know by the enemy like crazy and I and I have prayed for her, but I also was upset that I had this money uh, that I know I'll never see again taken from me and um, and I knew I was wrong I didn't really voice it that much but I, I still was thinking it and um, 
and we were having some work done in our house and some work done up in the attic, a new furnace put in, and we started smelling the smell. And I thought, well, maybe it has something to do with that furnace. And the next day, the smell got stronger, and the next day it got stronger. And then we realized something had gotten down in a wall and died. And by the next day, the stench was so bad that, you know, it was just horrible. And I was calling everybody, trying to get people out there, and ended up my husband knocked a hole in the wall and got it out. But um, anyway, so about three days later, and we you know, done everything, trying to make the smell better, open the house up and all this. Um, <clears throat> my daughter had forgot Sunday the little present she was given to her Sunday school teacher. So I ran home in between Sunday school and church, and I opened the door and walked in, and I thought, when is this stench going to leave? And right then, God convicted me, and he said, that's what your thoughts, and, you know, complaints and whatever has been to me. To me. That's and, you know, and then again, um, you know, brought to my remembrance how praise is a fragrance to him. It's, it's you know, an incense. But right. our sin and our complaining and, you know, just the tongue is, is it's truly a stench. And I can still smell it a little bit, you know, in my house. But I just... It really convicted me of all the times that I've made that kind of odor go up. The human. Yeah. Wow, that's a great testimony. Great testimony. Yes, ma'am. Well, I can kind of see where she's coming from because where I live, there's lots of room for grumbling and complaining. And since I've been coming here in November, I've learned why I am where I am so that I will just learn to praise God and that I do have authority and that if I'll get up and praise Him and I'll thank Him for those two women that I take care of and I'll thank Him for surrounding them with His angels and I will tell Satan that he has no place in that home and that I stand in the gap for those women. It makes a very different atmosphere. Sure, absolutely. Praise the King. It's amazing. It's amazing, isn't it, what we, we have to learn and how we have to learn to do these things. But, you know, <clears throat> I guess I hadn't thought about it like that myself until she said what she did about my grumbling and complaining is literally a stench in God's nostrils. And that's why that stench came into your house, basically, at this time. Because he tells us in his word, regardless of what kind of trials and tests we're going through, we are to worship and praise and rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Now, that's hard to do, isn't it? I don't know anybody that's mastered that yet. You know, every once in a while, we'll let something, you know, get under our blanket, you might say. You know, a burr. A burr get under our blanket. But we, in fact, talking about Ty and Cheryl, he's told me several times, he said, it makes no difference. What I do, it's almost impossible to make Cheryl upset. I mean, one time we were up north up at a school, and something happened, and, and he called her, and he was talking to her and everything, and I thought, wow, when he got to talking with her, I thought, man, I bet she's upset about that. And I said, well, how'd Cheryl respond to that? He said, oh, and he said, Cheryl, she's so evil, I mean, level, uh, not evil, so even, level-headed, that so she don't take it. She don't allow anything to bother her. So she's learned how to totally control herself. So 
So I said, it makes no difference. If something devastating happens to us or something great happens to us, she just goes along about the same, praising God. You know? And so, hey, that's a good place to be. You know, it's a good place to be. Even killed, you might say. Even, uh, even level. You know, of course, uh, I, I like to be even and level. But if something really happens like it did today, I like to just be hysterical for a little while. You know, jump up and down, praise God uh, with the girls. I had a great time. We had a great time. But you know, the Lord is telling us what we need to do here and how we're supposed to rejoice in these things. And He says. If you will do these things and you'll fill your mind with these things, all this good stuff and all the stuff that you've learned and received and heard and seen me do, you know, he said, the peace of God shall be with you. Now, as Paul and Silas was doing this, you got to realize, I mean, how many of us, let's just say, how many of you have had a pain in your arm? or a pain in your back like Paul had, or a pain in your head or something else, and you prayed about it, and it didn't go away in 30 minutes. You said, well, God doesn't love me. If He did, He had already healed me. Some of y'all ever, nobody ever done that besides me? Huh? I think we all have, haven't we? You know? We know we have. But, hurry it up. Yeah, you like me, God. If you're making me have patience through this, I've got all I can stand. I need it right now. You know? I mean, I, I do that right. <laughs> <These things. laughs> We're that way too, aren't we, Ty? Yeah, we want it. But Lord, i got all the patience I need. I just need it right now, Lord, please. You know. So, but he says, that's okay. I'm not in any hurry. Now think, he give all these things to us as examples. If he wasn't in any hurry for Paul and Silas, and they were one of his great anointed apostles, and it took him till midnight to take away his pain and to open the stocks and all the things. There may be a time or two when it may take him more than five minutes to heal you. You know, so just think, if there's anybody should have got it quickly, it should have been Paul, wouldn't you think? I would have thought the king would have been sitting up there saying, Anything you want, Paul, I'll get you. I mean, you're a great apostle. You're out there doing the, my will. So anything you need, I'll just give it to you immediately. But it didn't happen like that. Wow. He had to fight and go through all these struggles just like you and me. God was teaching him something just like he is you and me. But I haven't had to be beaten yet with a cat of nine tails and sitting there for hours and hours, have we, Rosemary? And we don't want to go there, do we? That makes the little pains and things that we do have kind of trivial. You know, you know, thanks to all these little things, trivial. You know, so we need to remind each other of those things. You know, when the coffee maker don't work, you know, whenever I got a pain or something, I, you know, I'll say, well, Pastor, you know, just, we're going to pray for you and it's done deal. I said, that's it, done deal. We're going to praise and worship the King. And if two hours later I'm still hurting, praise God, I'm healed, it's done, everything's gone, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm good. You know, or you got that airplane fixed yet? Nope, but I'm going to get it fixed. I may be standing there on my head, but I'm going to get it fixed sooner or later, however long it takes. I'm going to praise God in the meantime. You know, I'm going to get it done. I'm not going to grumble and complain, that's for sure. Now then, the peace of God, it'll, it'll, it'll overtake you. But I, I don't want to go there. Like Paul did, but we're going to have to. I'm sure there's going to be times he's going to put you and me to the test, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Praise the King. Then he says, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, start with verse 12. Let's see what it says, some other things about this magnificent word that we've got here. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and let's see what the Word of God says about the Word of God. This is a powerful verse. Hebrews 4, 12. For the Word of God, Hebrews 4, 12, the Word of God is quick and powerful. And absolutely sharper than any double-edged or two-edged sword. I mean, this thing is sharper than you can sharpen any sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what the Word of God can do for us. It can do all these things. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. So just think. If you're shy, when you start to get in the shower and you take off your clothes, God's looking at you. You know, so don't be shy. Everything you do is naked before Him anyway. You know, I mean, you walk into a room, a human being, you know, walk into a room with somebody, they're totally dressed, no big problem. But if somebody walks in that room and you ain't got hardly no clothes on, what's the first thing you do? Grab a towel. Sure. You know, because you don't want to be naked before someone else. Why do we not want to be naked before someone else? Do you know the Word of God says that we're not supposed to look on the nakedness of a human being? It'll put you under a curse. Did you know that? See, instead of trying to look upon somebody, you'd be trying not to look upon somebody. Do you know that? What if you have to give them a shower? Then you just, I mean, you just have to ask God, Lord, this is my job. You know, I have to do this. I have to give this woman a shower. You know, I mean, they can't do it themselves. I have been hired to do this. So, Lord, I ask you to not let any kind of a curse come upon me. But all my thoughts, you know, be good. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people never read that. You know, it's in the Bible. You know, I mean, it's in there. Let me ask you a question. Who has read that verse where it says, do not look upon the nakedness of another human being or it will put you under a curse? You never read that? Anybody ever read that? Nobody ever seen that? Oh, there's one back there that says she's seen it. You've seen it, haven't you, Ty? Oh, yeah, you've seen it. I figured you have. Okay. You need to be careful. The Word's full of good stuff. You ought to, you need to, you ought to just read it. <laughs> where is it? You think I'm going to tell y'all where it's at? I'm going to let y'all hunt it up. That, that way you'll do some reading and studying. If I tell you where it's at, chapter and verse, you go right to it and get it. You read that one verse. Yep, he's right. It's there. <laughs> okay, but at least you, you okay. You at least you'll have to look it up. <laughs> Neither is there any creature that is not manifest. Okay, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Now, see, this, there's a great and awesome principle right there of holding fast your 
confession or your profession. Your confession or profession should be what God's Word says. Everything God says. You should hold fast to that. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we were or we are, yet without sin. Now the king, everything you have been tempted with in your life, he was tempted with. Everything. Not a single one of us have been tempted with anything that the king wasn't tempted with as a man, but he didn't sin. He didn't fall. He showed you and me where we could walk as human beings if we would fill our hearts and minds with the Word of God and meditate on the Word 24-7. We could literally walk where He walked. He tells us we can. Especially since we have received the Holy Spirit and we have His mind, we can walk through the day without sinning today. You have to learn to think like the Word. I mean, I, I was told all my life I'm an unworthy sinner saved by grace. You're just going to sin every day. There ain't nothing you can do. You can't possibly go through today without sinning. But I don't believe that anymore. I believe I can be just like Jesus. If I can't, then He lied. He told me to be just like Him. Didn't He? Then if it's impossible for me to get there, why should I even try? It's not impossible for me to get there. It's possible to get there. Yeah, but that's not what the Word says, is it, Deborah? You know better than that now. You've read this book yourself. You know the truth. So if you know what the truth says, this high priest of ours, which was Jesus, he didn't sin. And so let us, therefore, after we read these things in Hebrews 4, when we've met this criteria, when we understand what this says, and we know who we are in Christ, and the Word of God has separated us apart, and, and the soul and spirit and body and everything else done all these things, and we know that we're really sons of God, that we're washed in the blood of Jesus, and that He's cleaned us up and made us sons and daughters of the Most High God, then in Hebrews 4.16, He says, Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we might obtain, may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. So how are we supposed to come as children of God into His throne? I mean, come in and tell Daddy what you want. Right, Rosemary? I got a son that ain't walking with you. I got a son, Lord. You gave me this boy. Now the devil has deceived him. In the name of Jesus, I am taking authority over that devil. I'm kicking that devil out of my son. And I'm asking you to move by the power of your Holy Spirit, Dad, and bring that boy back into the kingdom. And Dad, I ain't having it no other way. You told me to come in here boldly. I ain't having it no other way. My sons, my children, they're coming back home. They're going to serve you, Lord. You made me a promise. Now, I don't know how long it's going to take. Now, you think about Isaiah Reed. I wonder how many times his mother and daddy prayed that. And here he is, a drug addict. I mean, here he is a pimp. I mean, here he is sleeping with a different woman every night. Here he is getting drunk. Here he is taking every kind of drug you can name and imagine. And he is one of the wickedest guys you can imagine. And the average Christian sees that guy and they say, there ain't no hope for this guy. Ain't no hope for him. And then after he got killed in an incident, 
dead on arrival, stabbed 16 times, shot two times through the head, send him, he's dead when they get out there to pick him up, dead when he gets to the hospital, start doing an autopsy. And Isaiah Reed's mother, which was an evangelist, and heard about it, somebody called. She called the hospital, said, I want to talk to my son. They said, man, you can't talk to him. He's dead. They're doing an autopsy on him right now. She said, then put my voice over the PA where he's at. He knows my voice. He knows my voice. And they put it on her, and she started praying, and God raised that boy from the dead. He come back to life, and they sewed that boy back up. That doctor could not believe. He started breathing. They sewed that boy back up. In 30 days, he's out of the hospital, right back doing the same thing he was doing before. Right back in the drug world. Right back in the sex world. Right back in the violence world. He ain't changed nothing. Somebody said, you know, God made a mistake. He ought to kill him. But he goes on and on and on. And then finally one day, finally one day, he's at a drug party and there's a woman there that she's all upset and she starts crying. He said, what do you want, woman? You want some more drugs? She said, no, I don't want no more drugs. He said, what do you want more money? No, I don't want no more money either. He said, well... If a woman don't want no more drugs, she don't want no more money. Ain't one thing left to do. Knock her out. Threw back his fist and knocked her out and said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. He said, where'd that come from? Some of you all heard this testimony, haven't you? You know I'm telling you the truth. Where'd that come from? And he said, it's me, Isaiah. It's God. He said, who's that talking to me? He said, Isaiah, it's me, it's God. I don't believe in you. Isaiah prayed for that woman. That woman got saved. After that woman got saved, he said, how about you, Isaiah? I mean, if I had been God and this guy had done all these things, I'd have, I'd have killed him, wouldn't you? If I had a son like that or a boy out there, I'd have killed him. But not God. He said, how about you, Isaiah? What are you going to do with your life? He said, I like what I'm doing. I'm enjoying living like I'm living. He said, besides that, God, I don't even believe in you. He's talking to him. They don't believe in him. He said, but Isaiah, I'm real. He said, you can't even change my life. He said, I can if you'll ask me. He said, okay, God, you demand. If you can do something with me, do something. And the next thing you know, he said he's down on the floor mopping up the floor with his tears and he's being cleaned out and he's set free from drugs, alcohol, and everything else. And today, he is a great evangelist preaching the Word of God. A real live man. Isn't that awesome? Is God merciful? Beyond my wildest dreams, when I heard that testimony, I got a whole new revelation of God's grace and mercy. And if you got a son or a daughter, or anybody else that's not out there serving God, you think you're the worst kid that ever was, and there ain't no hope for them, let me tell you, don't give up. There's hope for them. There's hope for them. Now, I know every mother that's got a rebellious son or daughter would love it if they could look down the road ten years from now and you think, that's my son. Listen to him up there teaching the Word of God to that group of people. That's my boy. Somebody walks up and says, but I knew that kid when he was wicked. She said, yeah, but that boy died. He ain't alive no more. They could even say that about you, couldn't they, Ty? Yeah, Ty's told me before. He said, man, I used to be the wildest guy on the block. <laughs> Doing everything wrong. But hey, 
It makes no difference what you've done. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. So what can God do? He can straighten you up. He can change your life. He can make you a preacher. He can make you a man or a woman on fire for Jesus. He can take the worst drug addict. And I'm going to guarantee, after I saw that testimony about Isaiah Reed, I had to look at that two, maybe I watched that three times. I thought, this is the most awesome, spectacular testimony I have ever heard in my life. Isaiah Reed, Reed, yeah. His mother and daddy are both evangelists. And, you know, he was absolutely, I mean, he went totally the way so many boys do today. I mean, became an international pimp, sleeping with a different girl every night. Uh, You know, I mean, every kind of drug, alcohol, you name it, he done it. Sold drugs. I mean, everything. I mean, he done it. It was wrong. And today he's a preacher. I mean, serving God. And it, I know why it is. Because I, for sure that mother, that faith, I think of the faith of that mother when she heard that her son had been killed and she called that hospital and they said, I'm, I want to talk to my son. And she said, but I'm sorry, Miss Reed, um, whatever, I, well, yeah, Isaiah Reed's mother, Miss Reed, said, I'm sorry, your son is deceased. They're doing an autopsy on him right now. She said, just put the voice over the speaker in the room where my son's at. He will recognize my voice. Now, don't you think everybody thought she was crazy? But that woman had faith. I'm telling you, that woman was a woman of faith. And so whenever she started praying, that doctor that's got his chest opened up, how would you like to have been that doctor, Ty? You're doing an autopsy, you got his chest opened up, doing an x-ray, and all of a sudden the lungs start working. And heart starts beating. Woo! And then they sew that boy back up, and 30 days later, he's out of the hospital. That's it. And then to think that he goes right back into his old lifestyle. That just... But see, I mean, at that point, I just said, see, there ain't no hope for that kid. There ain't no hope. Look at it. God raised him from the dead. Look, he's back right back in there now. He's no, ain't no hope. And that where would you be? That's what I would think. Well, that's where it says, you know, they'll see miracles, but they still won't believe. No. Uh-uh. You know, he was a miracle. Oh, miracle. I mean, that guy, his wife was a miracle. But, you know, you think about his wife and all the things she had done and what all the miracles God did. When she was selling herself as a prostitute, one of the men stabbed her and went through one of her eyes, and that eye's still blind today. And she can't see out of that eye. No, she's had several of them. She lived in a world of sin. Yeah. But today she's a evangelist with her husband. You know, they're married. They've got four or five kids. They, I mean, they don't even know which ones is theirs, I don't think. Or his or hers. or you know, They know they're hers, but uh, they don't know some of them's his and they don't know who else. But And she had several abortions. But God's using them. You know? But you know, one of the, one of the greatest evangelists we got today doing the greatest thing for the kingdom of God was a rape victim. You know? And he didn't have a daddy. And you know who that is, don't you? James Robertson, yeah. God has used that man mightily, mightily. So, can what can God do? Hey, let's get over it. Let's get over it. Yeah, the king, he can clean you up. All you've got to do is take that word and start reading it and doing what it says, renewing your mind with the word, start walking in love and joy and peace. If we can do this, if we can do that, you know, no grumbling and complaining. No. We're getting that, aren't we? 
Carol and I was really trying to get a hold of that. We're trying to make sure that we don't grumble and complain about nothing. We're just praising Him because, well, we had a lot to praise around the ministry center today, and just look what happened. From the praise and worship, didn't even have to ask the Lord to fix the machine, or didn't even have to ask Dave to fix it. He just went to work it. Worked all day. No, they had to go somewhere else tonight. So anyway, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank You and praise You for this beautiful day, this rainy day, but it's a beautiful day that You have made. We praise You. We worship You. We thank You because, Lord, we need the rain. And we need a lot more rain. So, Lord, if You find it in Your heart to send us a whole bunch more rain this week, we greatly would appreciate it. Now, Lord, we praise You and thank You for Your Word and help us to take it seriously, take it to heart, and do what it says and walk where it says so we can walk in the abundant life that You promised. And, Lord, we're so grateful for the Word. Now, bless every one of us as we go from here this week. And Lord, bring us back Sunday. And if we don't come back Sunday, Lord, then if we have to be out of town, then Lord, I ask you to bless all these people through the Christmas season, the season that we dedicate to you, a time we dedicate as your birth on this earth. Now, Lord, I don't know if it really was your birthday or not. I really don't know. But we know you were born and you came. And so we praise you and thank you. We worship you every day for that wonderful gift, the Son of God that came to this earth through that little Virgin Mary. Thank you, Father, for your word. Bless us all this week. In Jesus' name, amen.